0: You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John, entitled, Learning Jesus. You know, there is a big difference between just surviving and thriving. Nobody wants to live their lives just surviving and trying to get through the next day. And I don't think God wants that for us either. God has created us to thrive. But the only way to do that is to create a relationship that lasts with God, to go deeper with Him. And the only way to avoid falling away from God, the horror of that, is all tied up in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in our day, we have so many different things that are distracting us. We've got so many different tools, but amongst all the plans and processes and podcasts that are thrown at us, there still remains just one way, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the only way to thrive. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is the only way to truly thrive. And so, let's look at that together, let's find joy in that. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to John 15, and we're going to begin this morning in verse 1. John 15, beginning in verse 1. You'll find Bibles that are in the seat pockets in front of you. You can turn to page 901. It'd be great if you'd have a Bible, and you can use the Ridgewood app if you'd like as well. Just download that, and the Scripture is there for you. John 15, beginning in verse 1. So we're learning Jesus in the gospel of John. We're we're learning to emulate Him. We're learning to be like Him. We're learning to see how He does evangelism and discipleship and pattern ourselves after Him. And here He is in the upper room, the upper room discourse, otherwise known as the farewell words of Jesus. He's preparing His disciples He's going to go to the cross. He's going to leave them. And so what he's leaving them with is really important. And it's important for us. And this is one of the great I am sayings that we studied just a few weeks ago, but I want to expand it because of the importance of what it means to be abiding in Jesus. So before we read the text, let's take a look at who the players are. Many of you are familiar with this section of Scripture. The Father is the vine dresser, and Jesus is the vine. But He's more than just the vine, He is the one true vine. And look at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, we don't all live in the Middle East, we don't all have gardens. We try. I've given up. I'll leave that to Wendy, but you know that the vine dresser is the one who's in charge of the garden. He makes sure that the the bad branches are pruned away and that the good branches receive nutrients. And what Jesus is saying here is that the Father lavished all of that care on Israel. but Israel... Failed. Israel bore rotten fruit because Israel rejected its king. And so that brings in the true vine. So the Father now lavishes protection on his son Jesus Christ. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, we are under the care of the vine dresser. We we are attached to the vine in a salvific way if you are a follower of Christ but today we're going to talk about it in a lifestyle way because Jesus is the only way to thrive. Now, I'm not talking about systems. I'm talking about a relationship with a person. A person that loves you, a person that pursues you, a person that wants you to abide in him and this morning he may be calling you deeper. And you may sense that call in your life. And this is such an important topic, I believe. And I think it's important that we understand that abiding really isn't optional. Abiding is vital to spiritual survival. And I chose these words carefully. I am talking about spiritual survival. If you try to live your spiritual life, if you try to live for Christ, on your own, or chasing around different ways of finding nutrients, you're going to run dry. It's about spiritual survival. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And so there's a contrast here between branches that do and don't bear fruit. Don't be a branch that doesn't bear fruit. Don't be a fruitless branch. There'll be a tremendous penalty to pay for being a fruitless branch, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But what you want is you want to thrive. You you, you want to be a reproducing, fruitful Branch, don't waste your life. Don't waste your time on temporal nonsense when we're being called to go deeper with Jesus. The word abide here is important. John makes sure we know that it's important. It's used 11 times in this passage. It's used 40 times in the Gospel of John. The Greek root word is meno, meno which is to remain in, to abide, to remain in. For example, it's used in Acts 20.31 by Luke as a picture of men staying with a boat that is sinking in a storm. Staying with, remaining with, abiding in Jesus is the command. It's the only way to thrive. Our spiritual lives depend on it. And so it's important that we understand this because we want to bear fruit and fruit is defined by Christ here as obedience. The fruit of abiding is obedience. And so we talk about being a fruit-bearing branch is a branch, a person that is obedient to the commands of Christ. And in verses 8 through 11, Jesus makes this very clear. Look at verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. So as always is the case with the Christian life, it's the glory of God that is the purpose. And Jesus, isn't it beautiful how Jesus is always out front. Hey, I'm commanding you to do this, but don't worry, I'm already doing it. I'm showing you the way. I'm I'm asking you... To glorify, well, I'm already glorifying my Father. And How do we do that? We do that through obedience, through keeping the commands of Christ. And so we need to understand and remember that we're living our lives for the glory of God. The Christian life is about the glory of God. Not about us. It's about the glory of God. And Jesus makes that really clear. In John 17, he prays a beautiful prayer for his disciples. We're going to look at it in a couple of weeks. And here's what he says in John 17, 4. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. How did he glorify the Father? By doing what he was called to do, by obeying the Father. This was the goal of the ministry of Christ. Yes, he came to die for sin. Yes, He came to save us. Yes, to all of that. But ultimately speaking, it was all to glorify His Father because it's His Father who devised this incredible redemptive plan. So glorifying God is really important. When Jesus began to teach about how to pray, He went to the, what we call now the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Our Father in heaven hallowed, hallowed is to be revered, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, as believers, we live our lives not to please ourselves, but for the glory of God. Now, Jesus certainly did seek glory for himself, but it was always in the context of of His embodiment with the Father. In John fourteen eleven, the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. So Jesus was about glorifying His Father, and that's what we need to do too. As followers of Christ, we live our lives to glorify God. There's no better place to go find the glory of God and the glory that the Father has bestowed on His Son, Jesus Christ than the book of Revelation. And beginning on, I think it's September 11th, when we do our first Wednesday night, I'm going to teach, begin to teach through the book of Revelation. And I'm really excited about that, and I'd love to have you there. The thing that astounds me about that book is the focus on the glory of God and the glory of the kingship of Christ and how when at the end of the day, when, when Jesus comes back, and the end of time is consummated it will be the glory of god that we will focus on and look what revelation says here in 4:11 worthy are you o lord and our god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created revelation is thrilling The the, the section where they can't find anybody to open the scroll. (laughs) And Jesus shows up, and worthy is the lamb that's been slain. Who is worthy to open the scroll? Man, we talk so much about what heaven's going to be like. That's okay, that's good, because we should be focusing on heaven. But I have this weird feeling that once we get there, we're going to be okay with it. Back in John now, verse 10. If, verse 10 says, you keep my commandments, if you obey, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. How do we glorify God? We obey. Two things happen then. The Father will be glorified and Jesus says you will have joy. So you can thrive when you're connected to the vine. But that's the only way you can thrive. You cannot thrive by trying harder or being more religious. Here's what I believe the Bible teaches. You become more attached to the vine. You become a person that is receiving more nutrients, not by trying harder, but by dying to yourself, by submitting. I am crucified with Christ. So Christ no longer lives in me. Or Christ lives in me. I no longer live for myself, Paul said. Because he's dying to himself. And this is the goal of the Christian life. It is not to get better tools and become a better person. It is to die. How do you do that? Well, you submit continuously. Here are some ways that you can do that first. I think the best way to submit and to receive the nutrients from the vine is confessional prayer. You've got to just keep praying that God would forgive you. Keep laying your sins out in front of him. You know, when I do that in the mornings and I start listing my sins, like if I kept going, I'm not sure I'd ever get to work, you know. But I trust that God has forgiven me for these sins. But seeing who I really am without Christ helps me to abide on the vine because I know I'm just desperate for Him. I'm nothing without Jesus. Everything with Jesus. And then there's the daily of giving oneself to God. You know, I think every prayer needs to include this idea of, God, do what you want with me. No no conditions, no contingency, Wherever you want me to live, wherever you want me to do for a living, wherever you need me to be to push the kingdom forward, God, I am yours. And what happens then is we become attached to the vine in a way where we're not trying to maneuver or dictate or manipulate. We're just abiding. And a new desperation begins inside of us because we have just given God permission to do anything. And that's really scary. And I've been praying this prayer for years, and I will be honest with you. It's costly. I've lost a wife. I've lost a son. I've had to move a number of times. It's difficult to put down roots. But in the end, what do you get? You get Jesus. And who who wants more than Jesus? Jesus. But you can't have Jesus if you're not willing to give yourself to Jesus. When we sold our house in Vancouver, we were fortunate it was a hot real estate market, and there were no more beautiful words that came out of the realtor's mouth than no conditions, no contingencies. That's what God wants to hear from us. And then there's this daily interconnectedness. There's scripture memory. They're stopping halfway through the day. A mentor taught me stop halfway through the day and just reflect. What do you need to confess? What do you need to thank God for? How's the day going? That keeps you connected. Living life with fellow believers, feeding off of their energy and their love for Jesus. And then there's serving. Serving keeps that relationship current. And I think sharing our faith keeps relationship current with Jesus because we're on the edge. And you know, the more you share about your faith, the more you remember how amazing your faith is and how amazing Jesus is and what you were called from into life. And as a church, when we're out trying to make community impact, we will continually remember, number one, how amazing Jesus is, but number two, how totally dependent we are on him. Sharing. This is how we keep connected to Jesus. He is the only way to thrive. There is no other way way. It's it's critical. It brings the Father glory. But as I said before, it's also vital for survival because within this metaphor, there is a harsh reality that will affect those who refuse to abide because the penalty for avoidance is eternal disaster. This is serious business. The penalty for avoidance is eternal disaster. Jesus is leaving his disciples. He wants them to thrive. And now he's warning them about the danger of spiritual bankruptcy. Because Jesus knew better than they what they were about to experience and it would test every fiber of their being. Look at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me. He is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, from a temporal perspective, the disciples would have totally gotten this. It's an agricultural society. They knew how it worked. Branches are cut off. The the, the bad ones go over here. They get burned in a fire. But spiritually speaking, in this metaphor are the branches that are not attached to the vine who are burned for eternity in a real place called hell. This is really, really serious business. Now the question always comes when I teach this. Who is the branch that gets burned? Is it a person that was never a Christian or is it a person that... Is fallen away from God? It's a good question. But let's look at the context to get the answer. We already know that the vine dresser is the Father. He's in charge of the vineyard, he's pruning, he's creating nutrients for the good branches. We know that Jesus is the vine. In this context, the disciples are the fruitful branches. Because remember what's happening. They're in the upper room. He's he's telling them all this. And remember that he has just, and, and it's hard sometimes because we go week to week to week. This is all happening in an instant. They're at dinner. And he has just sent Judas out of the room. He had just exposed Judas of being a child of Satan and the betrayer. And he has sent them out of the room. And so the branch that is cut off and put in the fire is Judas. The disciples are the fruitful branches. Judas represents those that have never been attached to the vine. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew Judas. Here's the thing, Judas looked like everyone else, acted like everyone else, could probably recite theology as well as anyone else. But he wasn't like them because he wasn't attached to the vine. And so I want to make this really clear. You don't have to worry. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not the branch that's cut off and thrown into the fire. That branch... Represents people that have never been attached to the vine. Any other interpretation would contradict Scripture. Ephesians is so strong on this. Ephesians 1.13, Paul tells us that we are sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say we are sealed for the day of redemption. Logically speaking, once we are sealed, we can't be unsealed. Jesus said to his children who love him in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will ever snatch them out of my hand. So you don't have to lay in bed at night going, wow, did I? Yeah, I was mad at my kids like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have thought that. Shouldn't be thinking this. And am I that branch that got cut off? No, you don't have to, no. But, here's the but. It is important to constantly be taking stock of your spiritual life. Because, number one, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never invited Him to save you and repent of your sins, then you are that branch And that's a horror. That's horrible. And let me say, friends, that if we're not motivated to go spread the word, knowing that there is a pile like that of people, then we don't really get it because this should scare us, horrify us, and motivate us. And we should be out there telling people, listen, man, there's something else for you. But if you are a believer... You need to keep your relationship with Jesus vital. Don't be like the Corinthian church. I, I'm always amazed when Paul writes to the church in Corinth, they're a total train wreck. But they're believers. Paul says, you're going to get into heaven, but you're going to escape as through fire. <laughs> Don't be like that. You're gonna, you, you just It's too costly. Recently, many of us were were shocked when uh, a very famous author named Joshua Harris came forward. He had written a book called "I Kiss Dating Goodbye," um, something like that, about courting, and he brought in this whole new thing twenty years ago into the Christian experience. And then he went on to pastor a Sovereign Grace Church, very well known. And he came out a couple of weeks ago and first said, "Hey, I'm separating from my wife," and then a little. A while after that, he came out and said, listen, I'm just renouncing my faith. I'm not a Christian anymore. And it was obviously shocking because a lot of people have formed their value system around that book he wrote. And there's nothing wrong with the book he wrote. But I saw a lot of really snarky replies about that. Oh, there's another Christian leader. There's another pastor falling. Yeah, see, I told you. Man. Man. When I read that, scared me. And I, and I honestly, I just said, Lord, don't let that man throw away his soul. Because we're talking about eternity. Now, whether he, whether he never was attached to the vine, or whether he's just a struggling believer, I don't know, because I don't have a copy of the Lamb's Book of Life. But what I can tell you, is we need to take stock of where we are with Jesus every day. It's important. I want you to be comfortable in your salvation and, and find joy in your salvation, but I also want you to be aware of the temporal things that are happening around you, and I pray all the time that I don't bankrupt my faith. And I trust that God will carry me, he who began a good work. And so, when you abide on the vine, you can avoid this kind of disaster. You can find joy, you can find health, and you glorify God. But here's something else that happens, and this is really important. And as we begin to wrap up, an obedient believer is a friend of Jesus. And this is a beautiful promise. If you look down at verse 12, if one is willing to love others, which again Jesus points out is what I'm asking you to do ultimately, then we become his friend. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. Now, that sounds like the legalism, but what he's really saying is, this is how I'm defining obedience. And isn't it funny how he keeps going back to love, and that's kind of the last thing we talk about in our evangelical churches. Jesus demonstrated his love for his friends, By dying on the cross. Because he died, because he gave himself, we are his friends. How do we define obedience? Based on Jesus is loving each other well. Because Jesus did the most loving thing that's ever been done. He died on the cross for us. And this is the gospel. Look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit. Are you a fruit-bearing Christian? Then get on your knees and thank God for that. Because you had nothing to do with receiving his grace. He just says it right here. I mean, you don't have to be a Calvinist or an Arminian or any of that stuff. He just says, I chose you. So be thankful for that. The gospel is so simplistic that it's, that it's, it's, it's sometimes overrun by too much theology. We believe in Jesus. We trust that He is the Son of God. We know we're sinners. We go to Him and repent of our sin, and we say, Lord, will you please be my leader, my commander, come into my heart and lead me forward, and we're saved. And then we begin to see breakthroughs happen in our lives, and we begin to see new things come about, and that's going to be the next series we're going to do in the fall. It's called Breakthrough, because we all need a breakthrough in some part of our lives. And when we're on the vine and attached to the vine, we can see miracles, and we can see breakthroughs. You know, in my life, man, I just like, sometimes I wonder, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why is this happening in my family? Why can't I change? I need a breakthrough. And so this fall we're really going to focus on what it means to be attached to Jesus. And and so our, our lives can reflect more of Him. But there is a vine. And the eternal nutrients come from this vine. And Jesus is inviting you to abide in Him. He's inviting you to avoid the horror of hell. But here's what we always do. We always want to create our own vines. Because it's more comfortable that way. So my question for you as we close this morning is, are you trying to create your own vine? So why would you do that? Well, because we can control our own vines, right? So we're going to go out and get nutrients here, here, and here. And I don't have to submit to Jesus to do that. But what happens every time when I rely on... The world's vines come up empty, disappointed, and discouraged. So are you building vines like based on popularity, based on fame, based on politics? Are you using politics as a vine? Good luck with that. Sex, your talent, your education, your position. Are you, are you trying to get nutrients there? It won't work. There's only one place to be satisfied and His name is Jesus Christ. Don't just survive. Thrive. Don't be in that pile of brush. Give yourself to Jesus this morning because Jesus is the only way to thrive. Let me close your eyes just for a moment. I want you to just meditate on that truth. And I want you to just ask Jesus, Lord, what are the areas that I'm, I'm holding back? Why, why am I not fully abiding? Can you show me those areas? And if you've never given yourself t- to Christ before, now's the time just to say, I'm yours. I want to be a friend of yours. I want to be your child. Just take a moment, quietly. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.